How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? And boom goes the dynamite. I don't know what we're yelling about! I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Last week on the podcast, we previewed all 48 teams participating in the 2019 Girls Real Dairy Shootout. And now, a week later, we have six state champions as your champions for each classification starting in 1A Division II. It's Cary, Shoshone, Soda Springs, Sugar Salem, Century, and the Eagle Mustangs. As we had some fun championship games to watch as Lucas Gebhardt joins us today on the 19th episode of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter. My name's Sven Elskog. Lucas, we sat there courtside at the Idaho Center for a long period of time on Saturday. We also watched eight games respectively each on Thursday and Friday. You had the 2A tournament at Bishop Kelly. I was at 1AD1 at Columbia. It was just fun to watch all of the talent that the state of Idaho has converge together in one location uh, to Treasure Valley for last weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes the tournament so much fun is you get all the talent coming from the east side of the state, from the north side of the state, and within the Treasure Valley all comes together in one location for one weekend, and you get to see the best that state of Idaho has to offer all in a three-day period. And it showed you a little bit as to why they play these games. And we'll start by talking about the 5A classification as Mountain View had entered that game number one ranked all season, undefeated, and uh, they had beaten the Eagle Mustangs three times during the regular season, and if you include the district tournament as well. But it didn't matter as when it mattered the most, Eagle in the fourth quarter outscored Mountain View 15-10, to going on to win 51-47. to And for some of the experienced players like Megan Boyd, Jamie McKinney, Eliza DeVero, they just all came together at the right time and played their best basketball, and they were also helped out with Mountain View uh, running into some foul trouble in that game. Yeah, I think you could just tell, judging by the celebration that we saw from Eagle after they won that game, that they they wanted that. There was, there was a big uh, milestone victory there for Eagle. And they'd, they'd seen Mountain View quite a bit throughout the season and kind of a revenge game for them because, remember, last year they lost in the state championship game to Mountain View and ruined their perfect season. So this is kind of a vengeance game there for Eagle to uh, kind of get one back here at Mountain View and win a state championship, which I believe is their first in school history. And so it, it was quite a win for Eagle. It was a heck of a game. Uh, I got to see that one courtside while I was writing an article, and I looked up about halfway through the game and realized what was happening because I think everyone except for... Then you decided to watch, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think everyone except for Eagle expected Mountain View to win that basketball game. And so congratulations to Eagle. I mean, that was a well-deserved win. It was a heck of a basketball game. A lot of fun to watch. And the 5A SIC for girls basketball, really the class of the entire 5A classification this year is all four of the teams in the semifinals were all out of that same district, Timberline, Boise, Eagle, and Mountain View. In the championship game, the Mustangs were 23 for 32 from the free throw line. Jamie McKinney led them by going 12 for 16 from the charity stripe, 19 points, 9 rebounds. A huge game for her, and congratulations again to Cody Pickett, the head coach of the Eagle Mustangs, a former quarterback at the University of Washington. And it's been kind of fun for me to watch because I'll go on Twitter now and I'm from the Seattle area and I go and all of the University of Washington beat writers for the Seattle Times and the Tacoma News Tribune, they're sharing these articles 
uh, about Cody Pickett and what he's done with this girls' basketball team. And uh, it's pretty cool to see a guy that went to Caldwell High School, played football. He's also coached at North Star Charter for basketball here. Steps up to the 5A classification, spends some time at Eagle, builds up a talented program. They've got players that have went all over the place to play collegiately. Um, You look at Caitlin Murray. She's at Army right now playing college basketball. Um, They have a representative at Idaho playing college basketball. I mean, and then even this roster this year is going to continue to fill into college. Just incredible. I mean, the coaching that Cody Pickett has done with basketball, I'm starting to think he's a basketball guy and not even a football guy. I'm going to forget entirely that the guy played in the NFL here pretty soon. Right. You know, the thing about Eagle is I think we forget how good Eagle was last year. Uh, With how much talent that basketball team has, I think they were expecting to get it done last year. It didn't end up happening, which I think is why this championship feels so good to those players on that team as they've been through that heartbreak the last few years uh, to the hands of Mountain View nonetheless so they get another chance here at Mountain View and they're finally able to get over the hump and get that state championship and to do it against Mountain View I think just adds a little more to it and the other state championship that I want to talk about here and highlight is there were a lot of great games but the 2A state championship featured the Soda Springs Cardinals, who went on to win convincing fashion 50-34, to most lopsided game of that 2A state tournament this year. But what a 53-game winning streak. It's hard to fathom, and the question is, is there going to be any end in sight as the two-time defending state champions enter next year? I'll just put them at the top of the list as my favorites again. I don't even care who's coming back. I don't have to look at the roster right now. I'm just I'm that confident in what Coach Fanevelt does at Soda Springs. Yeah, I mean, Soda Springs is just a sensational program that they've put together out there. And they lose Reagan Yamauchi to graduation this year, but they do return some talent next year. And, yeah, I think they have to be the favorite coming into next year. If you look at the 2A, I think the Western Idaho Conference is going to be a lot better than people think. Um, Melba, they, they lose Emma Clark, but they return Kate Clark. They return some pieces as well. Um, Cold Valley Christian, I think, is going to be a really good team in the 2A in the next couple of years. They started a couple uh, young players, especially. They, they were the tallest team in the tournament by far, and they had the most youth, I believe. Grangeville had some youth as well. Um, but it, Cold Valley Christian, I think, is going to be a really good team. Napa Christian just missed out on the state tournament. I think McCall will be a good team. Uh, next year as well a lot of talent in that uh, conference so it, then you look over to the eastern side of the state there's always talent on the eastern side of the state West Jefferson loses George Holdaway and things like that but uh, you, you look at Malad I think they were a really good basketball team and for Soda Springs to win 53 in a row with how deep 2A was this year I think really goes to say the accomplishment that 53 in a row has. And Matty Cook, you mentioned Cole Valley on the inside, is a player that I don't think a lot of the state knows about, but she made her mark in the state tournament throughout the regular season as well. You mentioned Reagan Yamauchi earlier. She was our MVP of the 2A tournament, 15 points, 4 rebounds in that state championship win over the Melba Mustangs. The other thing to digest from girls' state basketball last week is kind of just the runs that some teams that were a little unexpected and under the radar were able to make into state championship games, some of them even coming away victorious, as Kerry 
in the 1A D2 classification, you could see their record all year. I wasn't really sure uh, as far as the, the conference itself that they were in. There were a lot of teams that were beaten up on each other, and that can tell you one of two things. It can either tell you that the conference is absolutely stacked and they're all that good, or it can tell you the conference is absolutely awful and nobody's good. We learned in that state tournament with Kerry beating Salmon River in the championship and some of the success of the other teams in the conference that the conference was actually that good this year. And so congratulations to Kerry. Then you'll move up the 1AD1 classification. Everybody thought it was a buzz line straight for Prairie and Lapway in the championship. Didn't end up working out that way. Instead, we got Shoshone and Genesee in the state championship game. Genesee got there by beating a team that they had lost to in Lapway three times this year, and a couple of those times by 30 or more points. An absolutely incredible thing to see them beat Lapway by double digits in the semifinals. Yeah, it, it's tough to beat a team multiple times throughout a year. Uh, uh, you see this a lot in the state tournament where the team that's undefeated or lost two or three times throughout the year has beaten uh, Team Y three or four times throughout the year, and then Team X ends up losing to that team in the state tournament just because they've seen them so many times throughout the year. They know what they do well. they played them. They've seen them on tape. They know where their weaknesses are, and they know where their strengths are, and it gets to the point where you know where you can exploit them. And I think that's what happened there with uh, Genesee and them moving on to the state championship game, which which, out of all the classifications, I think that was the shock of the tournament, was that Lapway and Prairie were not playing for a state championship in 1AD1. I think that was just a straight line. Everyone thought it was going to be those two teams, maybe a toss-up who was going to win that game. They ended up playing for third place, which was still a good game. But for them not to go to the championship, I think – was really a shock throughout the state. Caldwell and Parma were other teams that raised some eyebrows by getting to state championship appearances this year, so congratulations to each of those teams. But something that I was thinking over the weekend, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but I was sitting there on Saturday morning, and I turned to my broadcast partner, Glenn Jones, and I I was thinking in my head, and I decided to externalize it because I was curious if Glenn would think the same thing. But you see an, uh, an upset, for lack of a better word, with Shoshone beating Prairie, which I'm not even really sure that was an upset. But again, you go back to the reputation. As Prairie and Lapway had appeared in every single 1A Division I state championship since the classification was created. One of those two schools was always in it. And that was dating back to 2009 when it was first formed. So you would just expected one of them, at least, to win their games on Friday. Well, when it didn't happen in the first game, I think that, to a certain extent, I almost have to wonder if Lapway was thinking, oh boy, we don't have to play Prairie, and kind of overlook the opponent. And then on the other side, Genesee, boy, we don't have to play Prairie again if we get to the championship, so we win tonight, we got a good shot. And obviously, Shoshone ended up winning the championship. But I think the mental mindset of these state tournament games is why you see some upsets that you otherwise wouldn't see in the regular season when it's a one standalone game. They're watching all the games that happened prior to that in the day. So if there's a run of upsets, you might see a, a tournament with a whole bunch of surprises in one day. Yeah, and I think part of it is these state tournaments are not double elimination brackets. You get as many as three. You're guaranteed two. You get three if you win one of those two. But if you lose... You cannot win the state championship. If you lose Thursday, Friday, it doesn't matter. You, you don't win the state championship. And so I think part of that excitement is 
It is one game. You get one shot. Doesn't matter what happened earlier in the season. Doesn't matter what happened in regular season, district championships. Because in most of the district tournaments, you there, there's a back alleyway to where you can maybe get a lesser seed at state, but you can still grab your seed to state. And some you can still come back and potentially get a higher seed than others. But in the state tournament, it's not like that. You win, you move on. If you don't, you're on to the consolation side of the bracket. And so I think part of that is you, you can get really fired up for that one game. You know, kind of the one-and-done mentality to where you win and you're on to the state championship game. And then you don't have to play Lapway or Prairie probably adds a little more to that. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people that are adults and they will say, oh, well, teams come out and they want to give it their all for the third-place game or the consolation game or the loser bracket game, whatever it is. And while I do agree with that, you're right. There's a different kind of mentality that goes into a game when you know that you can get the big trophy. And what I was impressed with is Lapway and Prairie were obviously disappointed to play in the third place game. But they put it all out on the line in the 1AD1 ranks, and Lapway came away with a victory after a very disappointing semifinal loss. So credit to them for still sticking with it and battling through. But yeah, as Lucas mentioned, we really enjoyed covering all 66 games of the 2019 Girls Real Dairy Shootout on IdahoSports.com. We'll do the same again here in about a week and a half when the boys' basketball starts coming up on February the 28th through March the 2nd. 66 games across six different locations, seven if you count the Saturday 5A games, which are going to be at Columbia, third place in the Constellation Championship. But uh, 5A, the Ford Idaho Center again. 4A is at Bora. You were there last year. Great atmosphere. Uh, 3A at Meridian. 2A is at Capital. Uh, 1A Division One at Valley View. And 1AD2 is at Caldwell. That's where you'll be alongside Dell Gray. So lots to look forward to. And, well, that's a seamless transition to the other basketball that's going on right now. And that's Boys Basketball District Tournament action as we're starting to get some teams that we know have secured spots in the state tournament. And uh, that means that it's time to talk about a few of them as obviously one thing that is a big deal in this state is winning your district championship for bragging rights purposes as Rocky Mountain going to play Bora on Friday night at 7 o'clock. It's a home game for Bora uh, on their home floor despite being the two seed. Rocky is the one seed. So Bora has an opportunity here to take seed 3A, as I think that's important because Rocky Mountain has won a couple of championships in a row, and Boris trying to establish the mindset throughout the state that, hey, it's our time to be the favorites, and for Rocky Mountain, they just want to stay up there at the top of the mountain where they currently reside. Yeah, Rocky has kind of been the team to beat, the 5A SIC, the past couple of seasons, so Bora trying to break that trend. Um, I think it's going to help Bora quite a bit that it's on their home floor. Uh, that's a tough gym to play in when they get some bodies in those bleachers up there. And, you know, Rocky is a very good team. The last time they those two teams played, it came down to the buzzer. Uh, Austin Bolt won it at the buzzer, then got offered by Utah State. So quite the night for him. And uh, I think we're going to see a very similar game to when these two teams played la- last time. I think it's going to come right down to the buzzer. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. The good news for both of these teams is they're already going to state. The difference is the winner will be seed 3A, the loser will be seed 3B, and it just determines what seed you are at state. It's 
they know they're going to be playing at the Idaho Center. It's just a matter of who they're going to be playing and when they're going to be playing. But, yeah, there's there's something a little more to winning a district title. You always want to win that district title because you feel good about yourself heading into the state tournament. And uh, you know you've played in those games that matter. And it just gives you a little bit more of a leg up. And as far as district titles go, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, this game will probably be final by the time many of you listen to this, but Madison is going to play Rigby for their district championship game. Both those teams have also secured spots in the state tournament, and I think that as you talk about those four teams, Rocky Mountain, Bora, Madison, Rigby, those are your pretty clear favorites as far as heading into the state tournament, but... I can also tell you that judging by the way that the 5A District 3 bracket has gone so far, you are going to see upsets. And Capital beat Boise 65-61 in overtime. That eliminated the Boise Braves. And then Centennial all over Meridian 60-40 in that game. That eliminated the 3-seed Meridian. So the 3 and the 4-seed completely eliminated now. And then you look at it and... Two and a half out of the four teams, potentially three out of the four teams, between Mountain View, Capital, Centennial, and Eagle are going to make reservations in the state tournament. A a couple of those teams earlier this year, uh, a lot of people were writing them off. But you look at Mountain View, one of the most improved teams in the state, um, Capital and Centennial, sticking with it as the season's gone on, despite having some trials and tribulations. Uh, I am very impressed by the job that each of those coaching staffs has done with the teams they have in place as I don't think many people are going to want to play Mountain View when they secure their spot. I don't know if it's going to happen uh, with a victory over Capital or when it's going to happen, but I can tell you for a fact, Mountain View is probably going to get a spot to the state tournament. It just happens every year, Lucas. Yeah, it, it kind of does seem like it happens every year with Mountain View. And, you know, both them and Capital, I think, are playing their best basketball of the season right now. Uh, Capital is the 8th seed in the 5A District 3 tournament, and here they are one win away from state as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. They win tonight. They beat Mountain View. They're on their way to state, but they're going to run into a very tough Mountain View team. Mountain View is another team that just seems to always figure it out in the later month of February. They always seem to be playing their best basketball at the right time of year. That's really what matters when it comes down to these district tournaments. But if you look at the 5A SIC, I mean, the class of that conference is Rocky and Bora. Uh, That's why they're playing for the district title on Friday nights. And it's the same thing on the east side of the state. The class of the 5A is going to – it's Rocky, Bora, and then Madison and Highland on the east side of the state. Rigby right now. Rigby, Rigby. right. See, you're used to saying Highland because it's football. But the Rigby Trojans have jumped right onto the radar since moving up from 4A. And uh, Coach Jones is one of the best coaches in the state. And there is another team – I'm hearing a lot of rumblings throughout the state – that they're not getting enough credit for how good they are. And they beat Rocky Mountain earlier this year. Granted, Rocky was playing without Briggs-Ranstrom in that game. But that builds confidence for them that, hey, we can do this. Yeah, I think it does. And anytime you beat a team over on the west side of the state, there's always just this sort of mantra with the 5A SIC. It's kind of the class of the state. But there's some really good teams over on the east side of the state, and Madison in particular is – one of those teams that's very used to getting to the state title game. And then Rigby, a little new to the stage now um, with uh, Coach Jones and what he's doing over there. And Rigby, it's a very good basketball team. And we'll see what they can do against Madison. Spencer Hathaway and Mason McWhorter are the team leaders there for the Madison Bobcats. A couple of players to watch for them. You look at guys like Britton Barrett, 
and uh, Taylor for the Rigby Trojans, who are players to watch. Move down to 4A, teams that have secured their spot, Preston and Twin Falls, Idaho Falls as well. In the 3A classification, uh, some spots were secured on Monday night. Sugar Salem is in. We'll see who comes out of the Fruitland-Parma District Championship. 2A, um, North Fremont is in, in addition to Ryrie. Um, Westside also secured a spot. 1A Division One. it's Lapway, Potlatch, Ambrose, and Liberty Charter so far in the tournament. Continue to check back for updated district tournament brackets on the IdahoSports.com homepage, as well as state tournament brackets being updated by our right-hand man here in the office, Paul Kingsbury, as the week goes on. He will uh, share all the seed updates with you. So every morning, check back, and Paul's going to have some new info uh, for all of you lovely people that listen to this Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. Again, alongside Lucas Gebhardt, my name's Sven Elskog here talking high school basketball on the boys' side of things right now. I think that there's some classifications that are as fun as they've been in recent memory. And in particular, I really am excited to see what happens in 4A, 5A, and get this, 1A Division One. I'm going to tell you right now that 1A Division One might be the best tournament that not a lot of people are going to talk about. And you just look at the sheer players that are the, – the top players on these teams are absolutely fantastic. Got Stoddard down at Grace is a fantastic basketball player. If Grace is able to get in, they're going to have to beat Chalice, which is a tough task. Um, beyond that, you have Musman at Valley, one of the best players in the state. Again, Critchfield at Oakley. Again, if the, this is if these teams are able to get in, but we're just going to throw out some names for you here. Uh, District 3, Cole Hindenkamp at Liberty Charter. Paul Yenner over at Ambrose. Um, if, if Wilder gets in, Norman Gonzalez uh, for the Wilder Wildcats. I watched him play. He's an explosive basketball player. But where a lot of the talent comes from is up north. You know, Peyton Sabota of Lapway. Um, you know, Prairie only has talented basketball players. They're a balanced effort this year. And then Eric Brackabush and Welsh of the Wallace Miners. Um, you got Haydaller from Potlatch. Potlatch making a trip to the state tournament. There are so many teams that have that one player that can kind of push you over, and uh, I think that's going to create a, a lot of upsets in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's a deep classification for sure. Just, I mean, Welch, he, he scored 52 points a few weeks ago just by himself. Um, so that just goes to show the kind of talent that is in that classification and the depth that it has. And whenever you have depth inside of a classification, you know it's going to be a fun tournament because then anyone can beat anyone on any, whether Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And that's really what makes the state tournament so much fun for us to broadcast because we're up there for four games Thursday, four games Friday, and then maybe as many as three on Saturday. And it's just a lot of fun to do those deep classifications because it makes it makes those consolation games fun, which can sometimes be hit or miss depending on who's in them. And but when you get depth in that classification, it it really makes those those morning games on Friday fun, and particularly those morning games on Saturday a lot of fun for consolation final and third place. So a great week of girls basketball this past week. There's also been some phenomenal. Uh, boys district tournament action going on again you can check out all the updated schedule scores tournament brackets on idahosports.com we're going to change gears entirely here as we head to break we're going to come back and talk some high school football news it's the idaho sports prep cast presented by project filter my name's jerry and i smoke for 30 plus years i was elk hunting 
my left arm and my left leg started tingling on me. I nearly died, and it was enough to wake me up. You know, being on the top side of the grass is a good alternative to smoking. I still hunt, and now it's getting time where the grandkids are going to start going, and I want to be there for that. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit projectfilter.org. Hey, it's winter, which means you can sit around and wait for spring or get a new Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive and get out and go. No matter if it's skiing, tubing, breaking out the snowmobiles, a great road trip, or just a drive across town, with a Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive, it's sure to be easier. Need more? How about great limited-time savings on your favorite Toyota 4 or all-wheel drive model? It's time to get out and go. Your adventure starts at your local Toyota dealer. Toyota, let's go places. Don't worry, honey. You know how the media sensationalizes everything. Okay, that does it. Screw you guys. I'm going home. You play to win the game. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news? Back for episode 19 of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter, Sven Elskog and Lucas Gephardt. As we've got our basketball talk for the week just about done here, Lucas, it's time now for us to talk some high school football news. And there's some good stuff that's happened uh, during the time of girls basketball state and boys basketball districts. We're excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, anytime something happens with football, whether it be coaching changes, whatever it might be, it's always going to make its way in the headlines. That's just the way football works. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. If it happens right before girls state basketball or, you know, uh, here with state wrestling coming up this weekend and boys districts going on, football will always grab some headlines no matter what time of year it is. And not just your Denver Broncos, as I know that you're now a huge Joe Flacco fan Still at quarterback. Elite, I'm telling you. <laughs> elite? Yeah, Joe Flacco is elite. The uh, the jokes that they used to make about Joe Flacco, they're now going to head to Denver, uh, and they're going to be mile-high jokes. As the West Ada School District in particular is going to dominate our headlines here uh, for high school football news Eagle and Meridian with some big-name hires here, especially Meridian, as they go out and they hire former Idaho State University head football coach John Zamberlin to take over on the sidelines for Mike Verdon. And some mighty good resume positions have been on John Zamberlin's docket in the past, including being the linebackers coach for the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League. He's also been the head football coach at Central Washington from 1997 to 2006. This is a guy that, while he didn't experience a ton of success at Idaho State going 6-39, and 39, he has experienced success prior to that going 63-41 and 41 at Central Washington, leading him to a couple of playoff appearances for the Wildcats. And any time that you get a guy that has you know professional experience playing in the NFL for the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs and also coaching in the CFL and college football, you know that there's a lot of experience and knowledge that he's going to bring to the sideline at Meridian, a program that I think is really going to be on an upward trend here the next couple of years. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you talk about a guy like John Zamerlin, and so much about college recruiting or college coaching is recruiting. You have to go out and you have to go find your recruits, right? Idaho State has not really been known as a hotbed for recruiting talent, particularly during the time frame when he was there from 2007 to 2010. Um, obviously not the best record overall, 6-39, and 39, went 4-28 in conference, but it, it's just, it, it always has been. It's the way Idaho State rolls. You and I both have been there. It's tough for them to get recruits. They're isolated. 
Uh, there's not as much of a history there. But you don't have to worry about that with high school. With high school football, it's all about your coaching ability and how good of a coach you are and how you can get the players to play for you. And I think that John Zamberlin, with the experience that he has playing in the NFL, uh, coaching at Central Washington, which he was actually a decent coach at Central Washington, as 63-41 and 41 was his overall record at Central Washington. So uh, he's proven that he can coach. And I think it's, this is a very good find for Meridian. Uh, I think they're really going to be a force to be reckoned with there in the SIC in a few years. And he was actually on the Eagle coaching staff last year, helped lead the Eagle Mustangs into the state playoffs in a quarterfinal appearance, uh, which they went on to lose to the Highland Rams. But you mentioned the talent and not having to go out and do the recruiting aspect of the job. You are a football coach in this regard, and uh, there is a lot of talent in the cupboard there for Meridian, which returns their quarterback, Braden Hahn, a senior six-foot quarterback, dual threat, Sophomore Davis Thacker is going to be back at wide receiver. He's listed as six foot four on the roster from last year. He's probably going to grow taller. He's just a freshman. He'll probably be six six by the time he steps on the field next year at the rate these kids are growing nowadays. And then you got a senior, six foot five wide receiver Micah Franklin, that's also going to be on the field. They return their running back Devin Fox, a senior. There is a lot of talent on this roster that was fairly young last year, and they, I really do think are a team that's going to make a lot of noise in the 5A SIC, and it's going to be completely under the radar. Yeah, well, the, there's a lot of talent in the 5A SIC. Obviously, Rocky Mountain and Mountain View, right at the top of that. You know, We know what they've done for the last couple of years, but you know, Rocky loses some talent. Mountain View does as well. The team that doesn't lose talent is Meridian. You know, Like you said, a lot of players coming back this year. Uh, a new coach with, with that may or may not come a new system. Uh, kind of depends. I suspect that they probably will change the system since he's an outside hire. Typically, you only keep the system when you have an inside hire. So I suspect maybe a new system. And, and so what comes along with that is other teams don't have that system on tape. They don't know what you do. And that can sometimes lead to a lot of success within your first couple of years. And a big thing for Coach Zamberlin you know, is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. You know, can all the defensive guys that do come back for Meridian, uh, can they help that football team uh, to take that next step? Because in order to take the next step and compete with teams like Rocky Mountain, Mountain View, Eagle, you got to have it on both sides of the ball. You can't just have an offense that's putting up your 40 to 50 points a game. As we saw some uh, high-powered attacks for the Meridian Warriors in uh, games last season. The other hire within the West Ada School District is coming right down the road at Eagle as the Eagle Mustangs have hired in-house. Their athletic director, John Hartz, has been named the new head football coach. He's previously been an assistant for 15 years, Mountain Home, American Falls, and Timberlake, and he's been at Eagle for a while as well, previously the offensive coordinator for the Mustangs. Uh, he did not hold that position last year, but nonetheless, a guy that's been around Paul Peterson. So despite Paul Peterson uh, being on the out, uh, he's got a guy that at least has some familiarity with the way that they've done things there at Eagle. And, you know, you could hear some of the media interviews that John Hartz did after getting the job. They don't want to change a whole lot because they've got a lot that's been working for them. Well, yeah, why would they want to change anything with what they've done in that Paul Peterson era, which, you know, he's one of the best coaches the state of Idaho has ever seen. And I think Eagle uh, may take a step back just because Paul Peterson is not the head coach, not to take anything away from John Hartz and his coaching abilities, but it's just the type of coach that Peterson was, it's tough to replace those shoes. And 
John Hartz, I mean, he is a first-year head coach, so and I'm sure he learned a lot from Paul Peterson as well, you know, coaching under him for as long as he did. Well, John Hartz has uh, led Eagles girls golf team to a 5A state title, so he does have the head coaching experience here. It's going to be a little bit different, though, coaching the football, as it is uh, not going to be the girls golf. As uh, Paul Peterson, in his 14 years as the head coach, led him to a 109 and 40 record, and uh, all things aside here, the, the real question for me is what do the Eagle Mustangs do at the quarterback position next year? As I thought Ben Ford had a, a lot of success last season, he kind of came onto the radar mainly for his running abilities, but he had some flashes with the arm. They had a little bit too many turnovers, though, and I know that people within the Eagle program are really high on their going to be sophomore quarterback Mason McHugh, who's actually been at a quarterback camp with Steve Clarkson, who handles some of America's top quarterbacks. I mean, you've seen him with Pat Mahomes and other guys. I mean, he's the guy that, if I recall correctly, led the sand drills for these quarterbacks. They'll go barefoot and do some footwork drills on the sand beach down there in California. So Mason McHugh is at least in good hands. And I kind of have this feeling that Ben Ford's going to be playing a different position next year than quarterback. Again, this is speculation on my part, uh, but based upon some of the things that uh, we've heard, I, I kind of feel like Mason McHugh might be the starting quarterback next year for the Eagle Mustangs. Yeah, well, he's going to have to go out and earn that starting job just like everyone else. It, it, for Ben Ford, they'll find a spot for him, whether or not it's that quarterback or whether that be a slot receiver position. He's a good athlete, so maybe they put him at running back or they find a spot on the defensive end. Um Something like that. I'm sure they'll find a spot for him. But, yes, I mean, Steve Clarkson is – he defines himself on Instagram. We went and tracked down his Instagram here. He says he's America's top quarterback coach. And, you know, he's coached some names. You know, you mentioned he's coached Patrick Mahomes and he's coached Trevor Lawrence. And you mentioned the, the sand drills that he has doing. Both those quarterbacks can move. Both those quarterbacks have fantastic pocket mobility in Lawrence and Pat Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was – the real deal in the NFL this year. Trevor Lawrence led Clemson to a national championship as a freshman. So he, he's definitely got the coaching resume, and I'm sure he's going to learn a thing or two there from Coach Clarkson. If our speculation is correct here, and Mason McHugh does end up the man under center next year for the Eagle Mustangs as a sophomore starter, I will tell you this, he does have some targets at his disposal, including uh, Dalton Mayshore is going to be returning for him. Uh, a phenomenal big play threat that I think he'll be glad to have, Cam Churchill. And, and as you mentioned, Ben Ford, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks transition to the slot, and Ben Ford has already proven that if he can get into open space, he can make a lot of things happen. He'd be a fun player to watch in the slot, and I think he'd be pretty comfortable there right off the bat. Yeah, I think he would. It, he, he already knows the routes because he played quarterback, so there's not going to be much of a learning curve there if they end up throwing him in at the slot position. And every team nowadays it's just the way the football is going is looking for that possession slot receiver that they can go to when they need a big catch on third and eight third and ten third, those third down big catch playmaker type of guys every team is looking for that type of player and I think Ben Ford could easily slide into a slot position and be that type of player for Eagle in the backfield as well Jackson Stampfley and the little guy Charlie Baker uh, both expected to be back next year as well as they are not seniors this year. So there is some talent in the cupboard, but Eagle has to replace the losses of guys like Dakota Thompson towards the top 
of the leaderboard for interceptions within the conference. David Hagerty and Matt Hudson in the linebackers. Alex Davidian, also a linebacker. I mean, we could go down this entire roster. I'm just going top to bottom on number. Sam Witte's going to be gone. I mean, these are tough, very tough people to replace. Luke Masters on the offensive line. Easton Bitter on the defensive line. Joey Lamping on the offensive line. Uh, these guys lost about as much talent as anybody in Idaho, but yet at the end of the day, we're still talking about what they do have coming back. So I'm really curious to see what they do, especially in the trenches on the offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. That's where football games is won and lost down in the trenches. You have to have a good offensive line. And the thing you have to have in the SIC as well is you have to have depth. You have to have, be able to have players feel comfortable only playing one way because of the depth that your Rocky Mountains and your Mountain Views have. Their players only go one way. So you have to get players to come out and willing to play the game of football. Otherwise, you just can't match the depth of those other 5 ASIC schools. And so I think that's also going to be a key for Eagle moving forward here for Coach Hartz is you have to get players that are willing to come out and play the sport. Yeah, and as we take a look at some of the other jobs that we've already found out about that have opened up throughout the state of Idaho. We mentioned these ones earlier. Uh, Parma, Jake Walgamot is going to give way to a new man on the sidelines. Salmon River, their previous head coach, Charlie Shepard, uh, with some discussion from Salmon River. It sounds like Ty Medley is going to be the head coach of the Salmon River Savages. Shelley, their previous coach, Jake Monahan, Tri-Valley, Bob Johnson is going to be on the way out. And Wes Jefferson has posted the job opening for Jason Taylor. But there's some really successful programs mixed in there. I think there's obviously a couple of the jobs that are a little bit more challenging as far as stepping in and trying to get them in the right direction. And I think Parma is probably the most challenging of those. And a lot of it has to do with how quality teams like Fruitland and Homedale are within their conference. How do you compete with teams that are always, it seems like, in the semifinals in that 3A classification with some fairly small enrollment numbers and just, I mean, I don't know. I For Parma, I'm not sure what the answer is to get to the upper echelon of the SRV. Well, I think if you're a program like Parma, you probably love and hate having those teams in your conference because, A, you, you get to see what the state has to offer in your conference. You're already playing it. You're not going to play anyone better than your Fruitlands. They, they've won the 3A title the past few years. B- but you probably hate it because you still have to play Fruitland every year. And you probably go out and you get um, – you you have to you just have to play a very good football team every single year. And there's a couple really good teams in that conference. And so for Parma, I mean, that that is kind of a tough – tough task because because of those teams in the conference well and Shelley is another team that it, it seems like a difficult program to take over right now because they had to move up to the 4a high country conference so they're playing teams like defending 4a state champion hillcrest and they're playing blackfoot who's only a tough out and they're playing an impl- improving bonneville team idaho falls a playoff team from last year these guys have a very difficult conference and they have the smallest enrollment numbers in the 4A classification. Emmett is just above them. But Shelley, a team that has experienced so much success in 3A, again, what do they do to compete at the 4A level? Do they change the style of what they do? This is, I speculated a while ago, I think Jason Taylor from West Jefferson would be a perfect fit at Shelley. I think we talked about this last time you were on the podcast. Run the football and play defense. The way that Shelley, I think, is going to compete at that level is to create their physical style of football. 
but the problem is, and you go back, and football coaches will tell you, you got to have the guys. And uh, if you don't have the guys, you can't run the run greater offense. <laughs> you can't right. do it, you know. So I don't know what Shelley does either. I mean, a couple of tough positions, and they're going to need a real good sideline leader to step in and lead those programs. I think you're exactly right about Shelley, and I think Jason Taylor also would be a good fit at Shelley because they just don't have the numbers that other 4A teams do, especially – in that conference and you run into a lot of problems particularly in football because you need so many guys to put together a football team and I'll tell you a story when I was in high school back when I was going to Colorado we were a very small 5A school up in Fort Collins and in the non-conference we had to play everyone down in South Denver so we had to play um, you know your your Columbines your Cherry Creeks your Valor Christians the, the, which Valor Christian is they get the McCaffrey kids all go through Valor Christian. So we had to play schools and Cherry Creek is a school that they have three times the enrollment of seemingly anyone else in Colorado. And so we were a smaller five, a, so we went to a split back offensive formation and we just, we ran the ball 50 times a game, a split back veer option. And I think that's what Shelly needs to do because they have the athletes to do it. They usually produce pretty good offensive linemen. And there's athletes that come out of Shelly. They just need to pick a system that fits what they are. And how many times did Hillcrest throw the football in the state championship last year? Uh, two, maybe? Well, once or twice? Yeah. Exactly. You, you're right on the money. As some of these programs right now, they, they almost have to go into the system of, this is how we win games. As I, I've been kind of surprised some of these uh, programs within the state, they've gone to the pass, 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 and they don't have the personnel for it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm curious to see what Shelley is able to do. Some of the other jobs, you mentioned Tri-Valley and Salmon River. I expect them to remain competitive within the Long Pin Conference. So lots going on within high school football. Um, we'll, we'll get the schedules posted for that um, late May, early June as the site transitions over to the new year. We do already have some baseball and softball schedules. In fact, we only have about 20 to 25 baseball and softball schedules each for schools that aren't up already. So you guys can go out there and check out all that you need to check out as far as that goes. But in the meantime, we got this week state wrestling. Next week, the boys' real dairy shootout. Lucas will be at 1A Division II at Caldwell. I'll be at the Fort Idaho Center in Nampa. And that is the best time of the year for us. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, the Boys State Tournament is my personal favorite playoff series that we do out of uh, state baseball, state football. Girls, it, the Boys State is just fun. It, it's, it's fun to see uh, all the best basketball come into the same area, the same gyms, and you get – all of it within that three-day time frame. It's going to be a lot of good basketball. Uh, it's probably the time of year that we work the hardest is that three-week period from girls' state to boys' state. But it's a lot of fun, and the best part of part about it is we get to watch basketball for three days. And I really like the uh, atmosphere at the Ford Idaho Center. They take the curtain down, and you get your ten to 12,000 people inside of the Ford Idaho Center for those 4A and 5A games on Saturday. That's going to be a great time. As Paul Kingsbury sitting in front of me, he's going to be down at 2A uh, doing some Capital High School broadcasting. He wants to go talk to Steve Sosnowski and enjoy some phenomenal hospitality there at the home of the Eagles. Well, we've enjoyed this episode 19 of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter from my co-host Lucas Gephardt. My name's Sven Elskog saying so long. Until next time.